Hey guys, and welcome back to another series of the boring shit you need to know in business. I'm Amy Bajada, and I'm excited because this series, there's going to be more topics, more conversation, and some amazing business owners to share this time with. So let's jump in. Today, I get to sit down with sales and mindset coach extraordinaire, Julia Zilke from Sales Inside Edge. Thanks so much for joining me today, Julia. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. You've been in sales and mindset space for over 20 years. You've recently turned your side business into your full-time gig. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Tell me, how's that ride been? Uh, It's been a rocky ride. I'm not going to lie to you. I think um, coming out of secure full-time, well-paid work into, you know, the kind of uncertainty of small business and, you know, with everything going on in the world at the moment, it was a really rocky ride. But I am big on, you know, I'm big on doing lots of mindset work. So I've put a lot of that stuff in place and, you know, to your passion as well, I'm very big on making sure all my financials are sorted. So I kind of put a lot of work in the background to get that done. Starting off rocky is not uncommon for many business owners. And I know so many that have gone down the path that you've gone from secure employment right into their side hustle. And it's, I I think there's often this significant moment that's very obvious to them when the change could or needed to be able to actually flick the switch and head down that path. What was the turning point for you? Was there a trigger as such? Look, there was. And I think that. I think the trigger of I want to do it came far earlier than the trigger of now I can do it. So for me it was, and I literally remember this moment, I don't know if everyone does this, but I remember walking on the beach and just thinking, and I just had a meeting with one of my clients on a weekend because I was working full time and I had this meeting with my client and I was walking on the beach and I thought I can't keep living my life not doing this every day because I just love it. I love the energy that people have. I love the excitement they have for their businesses. And I love that I can help them to grow it. And so for me, it was this moment of, and it was a strange one because it's, I hear a lot of stories about people who say, I hated my corporate job. I actually loved my corporate job as well, but it just wasn't fulfilling me. And I knew that there was just something more I needed to go and try to do. So I knew that moment, that was a moment that I was like, that's it. And, you know, it was tears and, oh, my goodness, like I have to do this. Now how am I going to do it? And for me, it was probably another at least two or three months before the how turned up. And the how was just that, you know, for me, I had to, and I'll be really honest, like I had to save enough money that I could survive for a year. And that's what I thought for myself. If I can save enough money that I can, you know, pay the bills for a year, then I give myself a year to get the business up and running. And when that all happened, then I was like, that's it. I'm done. I've got to go. I love that you gave yourself the freedom to say or identify at least what it was that you were going to need. Because quite often we get, I guess, blindsided a little bit by the opportunity of or even the idea that it's going to just work. And, mm. you know, it it could be that often we speak to friends and family, they think it's a great idea, and often the ideas aren't the problem. It's being able to execute it in a way that you feel safe and nurtured enough so that you're not leaving behind the things that are important, like paying bills, because that's a reality of life. Like we can't Absolutely. do that. And I worry that so many business owners do that. But, you know, I loved that you were able to identify 
what it meant to be able to, you know, what, what was the dollar value that was important enough to you to then be comfortable enough to go forth and conquer when you were able to reach that goal. Yeah. And so the interesting thing is when you say a lot of business owners, you know, they might talk to their friends and family and they think it's a great idea. For me, I actually had the opposite, which made me really have to dig deep and prove to everyone that I could do this. Yeah. And so, you know, my dad is, you know, bless him, but very traditional, I guess, in terms of how you should be spending and investing your money. And so his idea is that if I've got this lump sum of money, I should be putting it straight onto my mortgage. You know, I should be paying off the mortgage first rather than taking it and spending it and starting a business and, you know, essentially spending it on myself. And so I had to have this real belief in myself. And I think for my family too, they were really nervous. They were really nervous about me leaving, again, the full-time secure job that pays our bills. And it was something that I loved. And I had this opportunity because not everybody loves what they do. And, you know, that their, their comments were really around, but you love what you do. It's a great job. You get to go and travel and work your own hours and blah, blah, blah. Why on earth would you leave that? So why would you change it? Yeah. So, and I think that's where a lot of the mindset stuff had to come in. And I had to do a bit of the groundwork first as well to make sure that what I was doing did actually work. You know, it worked and that people would buy my, my service. So I had a few clients on board and I had a bit of feedback to start with. But yeah, it's certainly not the easiest thing to do. But yeah, absolutely worth it though. (laughs) Gives me goosebumps (laughs) even thinking about it. You're one month in, a couple of months in to actually doing this. How's that all working out for you? Um, without going too much into your financial detail, but, you know, how's it all working out? Look, it's really good. And I think that um, I have to say I invest heavily in coaching. So as a coach, I completely understand the benefit of coaching. And I've probably invested, I would say, a little bit too heavily at the moment, but for me, because I don't have to set up a shop, this is, you know, my home is my office. I figure this is the beginning of my business and I have 12 months to make this work. So for me, I needed to invest in people that I knew or believe that could push me that extra level or could give me the extra level of skills. And a couple of my coaches in particular have really helped me in this interim. They've helped me get a really great structure um, around my pricing and one of them has helped me even in the sales piece. So one of my coaches is a sales coach. So I believe in if I'm going to be a great sales coach, I need to find someone who's better than me and, you know, is she's 15 years ahead of me and that's where I want to be. So I've really had to lean into her way of selling and take on some of her methods that are different to mine that have really worked for me. So, yeah, it's been a fun journey. And, I, look, I'm not going to say that this is <laughs> – it's been a great month. But I think that this is the ups and downs of business. You know, it's now about working out, okay, what's not, what's next? Is, is that same cookie cutter going to work next month? If it does, great. If it doesn't, then what's the next step that we need to go and look at? Yeah. And there were, there's some really key points that have just come out of your conversation. The first is that investment piece, you know, in yourself and not being afraid, maybe afraid is not the right word, but not being worried to admit that there's a need for you to still find the best of the best to be able to ensure that you're the best of the best. And, you know, I think that's a lot of what people, they don't see the value in it until they're knee deep in it. And, Mm. you know, we throw around this term coach a lot and you probably hear some negative aspects around it. I certainly hear negative aspects around it. They don't understand why or what benefit until they need it. 
and then all of a sudden this becomes flushed out to them. But you've you've obviously taken the initiative long before you needed to, which is is going to give you the right foundations for what you need going forward, even if that means that the model or the approach that you're currently taking may shift or alter slightly, but you're going to get there in the end because you've got the right guidance in place. And the other thing I wanted to just mention in relation to what you were just saying is you know, so you you mentioned that you've given yourself 12 months. And I know that that's probably driven partly by the financial aspect of it, because that's what you've planned for. Were there any other triggers in the 12 month period that you've indicated for yourself that may or may not can keep you going, you know? So if you get to that close to that 12 month mark, is there something that you've set yourself a goal to say, this is going to be the indicator to me that I should keep going. I think the interesting thing is um, the 12 month thing, I think was actually more about security for my family. So it was actually more about giving them a point in time and, and, you know, that kind of certainty for them that, okay, we'll let her run away and join the circus, but we know in 12 months time, you know, if it goes pear-shaped and we're not bringing money in that she can go back to a full-time job. But the truth is I will not. I won't do it. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I just, I love what I do too much and I'm such a determined person that I will make this work. And, you know, having that 12-month buffer there means that, you know, almost every dollar I spend or every dollar I earn, that's a whole nother month that I can keep going for. So, you know, theoretically, if I get to the end of 12 months, then I should have another 12 months in the bank account. So that's my theory. And that's a great theory to have, I think. (laughs) You just mentioned about your family and the security. And I think I hear a lot that people you know, business owners or small business owners in particular who feel as though they have like hobby type businesses often say that their partners feel as though this is just a hobby and they can't really see beyond them doing it part-time or whatever it might be. And I I think it's so important to have the buy-in from your partner and that communication and that support to be able to, I guess, be at least brutally transparent with them about your plans. And so I I find myself drawn to what you've just said in relation to the fact that you've you've given them the real structure, you've given them the drive, they know who you are and you're not hiding any of that from them. You're not just saying, but I really want to make this work with no real direction, which is where I find that partners may not get the buy-in because they feel as though there's just this hobby-based kind of, of moment. But speaking of sales, because this yes. is huge and this is what you do. I remember when I set out in business, I wanted to provide my services to all business owners, male and female. I I personally didn't see any discrepancy in that. But as it turned out, over time, the fact was that my ideal customer was female and not male. And that's not to say I still wouldn't cater to the male market, but it just appeared that way through transactions. And so as business owners, we work a lot on refining and re-refining our ideal customer profiles. And at times we get caught up in the confusion between what we perceive our ideal customer to be and what actually is our ideal customer. So from your opinion, what steps or from your experience, what steps can we take to ensure that we're actually listening to these facts of who our customer is rather than who we want them to be? Yeah, look, I think it's a really, it's a really interesting question. And then there's a couple of things that I 
I think are important there. One is the first part is about around that refining and defining our business. And I think in my experience working in for large organizations, where they start off is absolutely not where they finish up or where they are right now. So I can tell you, for example, one of the businesses I worked to, they had worked for, they had this incredible product and what they thought was going to be their great business model, and it just didn't work. Hmm. But the, the point of it was that they were so passionate about the product, they didn't give up on it. All they needed to do was tweak and refine the model and who they were selling to and, and what sort of markets they were selling in and where it was relevant. So for me, when I work with businesses, the very first thing I get them to do is get really clear on what their purpose is. What impact do you have in the world? And what's the, what does that mean for your customers or for your clients? Because I think if you can get really clear on that to start with, then no matter which direction you start taking your business in, you, you can always come back to that. You know, you always come back to what that purpose is. And if one direction doesn't work, it allows you to be flexible to go, okay, well, that's not working. And I'm not where I thought I would be. What do I need to do to change? But this is still what drives me and what fulfills me as a person. I think I see a lot of businesses who they want to, they want to provide the ideal product for their customer, but they lose sight of what they care about. And then it's so much more just about a transaction and money. And that's not why we're on this planet. You know, we're here to do things that set our heart on fire that we love doing. So if you can get clear on that to start with, then you can start attracting the right people. And I think, like you said, in the beginning for businesses, it is a bit of, you know, and I'm a little bit the same. I'm like, oh, male, female, I don't really know. At the moment, most of my clients are actually men, but I also love working with women. So I don't really know yet what, you know, am I going to niche it down to, you know, one gender or another? I'm not really sure. But I think as businesses evolve, you start to get a little bit clearer on, you know, maybe where you have a bigger impact or maybe even where you really enjoy working as well. And I think that's really the important factor is also about where you enjoy working and those people that you really enjoy working with, because that's why we do it. You know, it's, to, yeah. to, you know, if we're going to spend 80% of our lives at work, you want to be with people that you enjoy and not yeah. be working with people who annoy you, frustrate you, are not on your page, that you've got to, you know, you've got to really work hard to sell to. That's not what we want. We want this to be an easy and fun process. So I think, you know, to answer your question in terms of where do we focus our niche, I think for businesses starting off that, you know, it's a bit of a trial and error, but get clear on what your purpose is first and what, you know, what you love doing and what your message is that you want to send to the world. And when you get clear on that, you start to attract the right sort of people and you start to repel those people that don't believe what you believe. And that's okay. We don't want to be working with everyone. There's 8 billion people on the planet. You know, if we can all have a million of those in our business, we'd be doing well. Um, and, you know, we don't need Austin too. Yeah, we'd, we'd be absolutely shattered. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, and I think that's the thing in business too, is that everyone's like, oh, but I want to attract everyone. Well, you don't want to attract everyone. Let me tell you. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and even the most successful businesses in the world don't. So, no, that's right. And I think, I think that whole I want to attract everyone comes from that fear when you are starting out to, you know, in terms of sales and, you know, I just, if I can just get it to everybody that I'm going to have the sales to fulfill, to be able to keep going. But we often find that I often say to people, have you sold your soul yet? Because 
what's happening is you're morphing your business so far from where you started or from what your primary purpose is. Mm. So it doesn't actually resemble what you wanted to do in the end. And, and, you know, business owners find themselves feeling deflated. They find themselves feeling like they're on this wheel that they're not actually achieving what they thought they were achieving without revisiting in this instance, the core purpose that we're talking about. And we're not talking about the purpose of our products. I find that's very, very different to what we want to stay true to because the purpose of our products will service the needs of our customers, but it doesn't necessarily go back to why we started our businesses. Absolutely. And I find, you know, when I talk to businesses about finding their purpose or understanding what their purpose is, often it's very much about their purpose is about the product that or the service that they have and how they go about doing things. And it takes a lot of work to dig a little bit deeper and to really help them to uncover you know, what are the proud moments? Why do you feel proud working in the business? What are some of those moments when you've had customers or clients who've given you feedback or, you know, who, what are those moments that have shaped where you are today? It's not about the product or the service. It's about who you are as a person or as a business. And that piece is what we call the contribution. You know, it's like, what is your unique contribution to the world? And then the next piece that we work on is the piece of the impact. So, you know, what, if you're, you know what your contribution is, what impact does that have on other people? So I use a method that Simon Sinek developed to help people and help businesses really uncover it. And I'm not going to lie, it's a, it's a challenging piece to do because it, but it's beautiful because it's a reflection piece and it's something that a lot of businesses don't do. And I did it with one of my clients who they're a pharmacy and they're, proud moments are people who are really unwell and where they've been able to support them and these girls were in tears because you know and a lot of them were children who were really unwell but they were able to bring joy and laughter into their lives just for a moment and it's those sort of things that people don't often reflect on so when we go back and we do a bit of that deeper reflection we start to get clear on you know what are the goosebump things and then once you know that then it's easy to kind of work out how you're going to communicate that with the world and how you bring that joy into other people's lives. So you're right, so that we don't go down that that rabbit hole of just bringing clients on because we have to pay the bills. It's more about bringing the right people on for the right reason. Yeah, when you find that moment that you're feeling satisfied with what you've been able to provide to particular people, I think that then moulds who your ideal customer then transforms into and and gives you I guess a bit more direction even if it's not entirely that that person it could be a a subset of that person as well that you could then you know mold your ideal customer to because you're getting the reaction that you wanted to get so Mm. absolutely yeah but and that reaction you want to get is that reaction that makes you go oh my god this is so good I love what I do you know and that's the excited piece (laughs) for me it's all around numbers people think I'm such a psycho when I get so excited about the whole number piece excited too (laughs) exactly right but that's the thing and that's what our unique gift is to the world and you know I'm exactly the same as you most people I speak to hate sales they hate the idea of sales if they have this 
awful kind of wall and window up when it comes to sales. And I'm like, no, I love it. It's the best <laughs> business. Let me just show you how to make it fun. <laughs> yeah, try doing that with numbers. I think, yeah. I think sales is a little bit sexier, but I'm one of those people. I fear sales like you would not believe. And, you know, I recently had you join me with some of some other business owners in my business boardroom and you, you know, you gave some really great insight into sales funnels, for example. And if we're talking about how hopeless I am from a sales perspective, one of the topics of conversation was this whole piece around cold calling and whether or not it was still relevant. And that was my biggest takeaway from it, you know, that whole reconnection because we get so lost in digital space that the reconnection may actually be the bit I'm lacking because it's what I love. I love talking to people and I love being in that space with people, but I've never seen it. I've never seen that sales moment as one that was going to be good for me because I'm so hopeless from that perspective. But yeah, that was a great insight. Like, and that would satisfy exactly where people are saying, I hate sales, I hate sales, but they've just got to give it a go and reconnect with their, their customers and stuff, I guess. So. Yeah, I agree. And look, I, ha- I have to tell you, I haven't done cold calling for probably more than 15, I want to say 10 or 15 years. Now, in saying I haven't done cold calling, every job I start, I have, you know, I, it, usually my jobs come with a list of 200 to 500 customers and I have to go out and meet them for the first time. So it is that kind of awkward introducing myself. So I'm, I've kind of gotten into that space, but I've never had to, um, for a long time, had to pick up the, the phone and make a call. And that's why my coach was so important to me because mm. that's something that she teaches businesses regularly is how to have a cold calling script that doesn't feel salesy. It doesn't feel awkward and uncomfortable, you know, and for me, because I'm in service and, you know, for most people who have products as well, if you're cold calling, it's probably cold calling in a wholesale space, mm-hmm. um, not necessarily in a kind of business to consumer space. Maybe, I guess it depends on what your business is, um, like gyms, for example, might. But yeah, so for me, it was about getting that script right and knowing that I'm not trying to sell someone over the phone. No. I'm just trying to tell them, introduce myself, tell them who I am, give them a little bit of success, you know, let them know a couple of really quick success stories that I've had for businesses and then see if they're happy to meet with me for you know, 20 minutes or half an hour and I can tell them about what I do with absolutely no obligation. And I think for me, you know, it still was the phone still felt like a brick when I had to actually <laughs> pick it up, you know, I had to pick up the phone. And you might, but my coach was really amazing and she sort of helps me to set out, you know, before you even start, if I'm going to do two hours of cold calling, it's not the first hour I'm looking for my leads. You know, I've already done all that. I've already come out with my list of 25 people that I'm calling and I'm literally just working my way down that list. So when I sit down and I've plucked up the courage for that two hours, it's we are on the phones and here we go. And I think the piece that, you know, we talked a little bit about that scarcity mindset as well and that, you know, wanting to do business with everyone The truth is it's okay if people say no. It's okay if they say they're not interested because we don't need to work with everyone. We don't want everyone in our business. Our business is not relevant to everyone. And so that piece actually when I got a couple of no's, I was really excited. I was like, yes, because I figure, you know, I've got to get 100 no's before I'm going to get 100 yeses. Learning in that as well. Like there's learning for you to take away in that as well. But can I say I I want – people to know as well that there is that freedom from their end as the person being called to just politely say it's not for me 
and that's yes. okay. You know, I, I often get a lot of people saying, oh, I'll look it over, I'll look it over. And then there's this, you know, radio silence. And again, I'm okay with that, but I'd rather the definite not interested. I really, yep. really would. And, yep. you know, like I said, politely, like, you know, yeah. don't expect to be yelled at or anything like that, but yeah. just a, a nice, you know, thanks anyway, but it's not for me. And Agreed. fine. Like it's, again, not for everyone. I just mm. agree with that. And it's interesting you say that because it's actually another technique that we use. And what we know is that 80% of business is done after the eighth follow-up. So the truth is, eighth. unless <laughs> so right, I'm not going to give up so easily. No then. giving up. That's what I'm going to say. No giving up. So unless you get a hard and fast no, this is not right for me. And yep. the truth is when I get a no, it's not right for me, in my head I go, it's not right for you yet. Yet. <laughs> not yet. Oh, and me, that's okay. I'll show you some other things. <laughs> yeah. So either I haven't given you enough value or, you you know, I haven't helped you see my service properly in this phone call and then I need to go back and change my scripting and what I'm doing or you just don't know enough about me yet. And that's absolutely okay as well. And then I might go and add people into my social media or contact them in different ways and just say, look, here's a few freebies. So for me, a no is a not yet. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I do love that. All right. I'm not going to give up so easily. Eighth. Oh, my goodness. Eighth. All right. Eight, and 80% of business is done after the eighth follow-up. Now, there are definite ways that you can speed the, that that time frame up. But for most businesses, if they're following up and they don't have strategies in place, like, you know, good strategies in place to either book, book that appointment in the calendar or there's a few other things that we do, it can take up to eight follow-ups. Wow. Oh my goodness. You know, when I think about that, when you say that, if I think about some of my clients, maybe it is that as well, you know, without realizing it, because I haven't necessarily had that structure in place from a sales perspective, but it does take that, you know, I I subscribe to the know, like, and trust because what I do is so personal for so many business owners. You know, I'm dealing with their money and, you know, here I am saying, I can help you, I can help you. And they're like, well, hang on a minute, don't know enough about you. But you're right. Things like this podcast or any of the social media stuff that I put out or any of the other bits and pieces that I try to provide in terms of value is probably my way of trying to get past that eighth eighth kind of moment where it breaks down. And, not, you know, you're right, nine times out of ten, people I haven't heard from in such a long time, all of a sudden reappear. And, you know, I, I take it as a, oh, okay, you know, we finally got through the barriers, but I never realised that there really was or is that length of time that we need to consider. Yeah. You know, I think for some people too, like you think about how, I don't like to use the word, but how busy life is at the moment. Sometimes it's also about, I just, I can't get my head around making a decision on this right now. And if you're just going to let it go, then I'm just going to let it go. I'm going to, you know, I'd rather not make a decision. Now there are some of us, some people who are happy to make a decision, you know, very quickly and they can do that. They can make a decision go, no, that's not right for me or yes, it is right for me. But the rest of us, like me, it takes me a little bit of time to make a decision and I like to sit back and think about things. My husband calls it procrastination, but I like to sit back and think about things a little bit before I make a decision on it. And so if you're not calling me back, I'm just not going to make a decision. Well, whilst we're actually talking about engagement, you've got your simple strategy in which you subscribe to the area of sales, which is that source inspiring gauge. Is it really that simple? And and I say this because I'm curious in particular in relation to the engagement and in the world of social media and information o- overload. When we're running our businesses at their core, 
and keeping our customers engaged consistently, to me, it feels like another full-time job. And I always wonder how do people who who I certainly admire when I see it on social media, how do they actually do their day jobs? And so I think a lot of small businesses can't necessarily take that added cost on for someone to do the social media for them. So what would you suggest in this instance, when we're talking about sales, social media, information overload, what would you suggest for them to do in terms of content, repurposing, being able to reestablish who they are to get that know, like, and trust factor for them? And how much repurposing is too much repurposing? Look, I think it's a really interesting question. I'm not going to lie to you. The social media is not my area of expertise. It's it's just not. And um, for that reason, one of the things I'm very clear about is that I will hire someone to do it. As soon as I can afford to, I will hire someone to do it. I will still have a hand in the content creation though. So I feel like I don't need to necessarily and you know possibly can't afford to in the initial hire someone expensive to do it. I'm happy to hire a VA who can at the very least start regularly and consistently loading my content for me. And for me, it's hitting the send button because that's probably, I'm happy to create it, but I can never actually hit it because I get too nervous. I guess that's, that's but, part of what I'm talking about as well, you know, because the content creation is where the majority of the time is actually spent. And this is what I grapple with in terms of mm. social media. And I think, well, okay, by the time I've created everything, what am I actually handing over? Mm. So you talk about yeah. the you give them the content and I know that they can repurpose it and get a little bit more spunky and whatever else. But, you know, that full-time job that I'm talking about is really that content create. It's mm. working all of that. Yeah. And look, it's definitely a space that I've, that's why I hired one of my coaches because she helps me get really clear on what helps us as a group get really clear on what our content should be like you know having these different areas that you should be talking about when it comes to building relationships and how you build trust with people but in terms of like from a sales perspective when I talk about engage which might be able to help in you know what sort of content you're using on your social media for me engage is how we engage our existing customers so these are what we I would call our loyal customers. So these are people who, you know, have worked with you for a while or they might have only worked with you once or twice. Um, and it's similar to what we were talking about with the funnel is and yeah. the client journey is understanding what your client journey is and getting really clear on, well, if they start with me in this space, you know, they might download a freebie or they might download a low ticket item or they might buy one product from you. How are we treating them? How are we keeping them on board with us so that we make sure we get them in that space of the like, know and trust? Mm. Because also what we know is that it costs five times more to find new customers than it does to retain our existing customers. So, you know, when it comes to the engage piece, it might be just thinking about what that client journey is for you. And then when it comes to your content, it's about sharing what that is. You know, sometimes you might be able to share, you know, it might just be client testimonials or it might be one of my coaches has just sent me, she sends me these amazing boxes with chocolate fudge stuff that my kids love, um, you know, and beautiful cards. But it might just be little things like that that you're then able to share with other people who, you know, if you've got people you've had on board for five years, you might share things like that with the people people who've only just come on board with you. But for me, the engage piece is not forgetting about those loyal customers. And they might even be your loyal followers. They might be people who are regularly commenting on your work. You know, it might be that now is the time to 
do a personal introduction or start messaging and having a conversation with them privately to see if there's any way that you can help their business. Yeah. So that engage piece is really for me, how do we keep people on board? I'm a big advocate for that because I totally agree with you. I get so frustrated and I know we've had this conversation before you and I, but I get really frustrated when I see all these deals that other people are putting out for new customers coming on board. And I just think, I hope you're at least offering that. And I know it's not true. Those that have been with you for long terms. You know, I had I had an incident personally where I had subscribed to Foxtel for 11 years. 11 years. I was paying yep. $190 a month for 11 years. Oh, my goodness. And when they were updating their box to the new digital platform and they were giving all this, you know, the free box to everyone. And I asked about whether or not I could update my box to the digital platform. I was told you're not a new customer. And I seriously, I said to them, so do I just cancel and then reset up again? Turns out I never went back to Foxtel in the end. I just kind of went, are you kidding me? Like 11 yep. years, $190, yep. you know, a month. And I certainly am very, very loyal to those that are loyal as well. And don't get me wrong, any new customers that are coming on board, same thing. Any of my clients, I will provide them with exactly the same for those that are coming on board as well, you know, and I encourage new clients to come on board. But I, I nurture and love those that have been on the journey because certainly what I do for a living isn't just a one-time project you know mm. I have I have clients that come back year on year for new projects new things new development all different types of things going on in their world so they see the value in it so of course mm. you know, I love that engaged piece I think it's so so important yeah and I think it's important to start as soon as you can as well and often it doesn't take a huge amount of effort you know it might just be sitting down and having a think about what is you know what are the touch points that people have in your business um, you know, and how can we keep them, keep delighting them and keep exciting them? And, you know, sometimes it might be paid pieces. Sometimes it might be free pieces. Sometimes it might be something that's completely left field. Can we bring someone else into the business who can add some value? So like for you, for example, you know, so bringing someone else in who does sales, it's just adding another level of value to people. And so, you know, for a lot of the businesses that I've worked for, they really work hard on what are those elements that we can bring into the business that keep our loyal customers on board and then not only keep them on board so one of the other things that we talk about in sales is how do we increase the basket size Mm. so if they purchase one product from you how can we expand them to purchasing another product if they purchase one particular service and this is the interesting thing I think about businesses too is that and this is where the evolving piece comes from is that you might start with one particular product or one particular service but as you get to understand your better understand your client needs, you can now start to create other products or services that are related, still fulfilling you, yeah. you know, still on your purpose piece, because you're keeping the right people on board. But you know, it's about how do we expand on servicing their needs. I think what you're doing in this space is absolutely fantastic. And I, I have no doubt that the next 12 months are going to flourish exactly the way you need them to. I you know, I can already see, you know, the purpose of what it is that you're providing to customers. And I I think that so many people are going to get so much out of what it is that you have on offer. And I, you know, sales is such an elusive piece that we often think we can deal with on our own, but it's great to know that there are coaches out there like yourself that can really support 
you know, provide that support and that direction because it's, you know, I've certainly in listening to you and, you know, even in our session the other day, just opening my eyes to the fact that I've got to keep coming back to that. I can't just assume that I, you know, my product is going to talk for itself or my service is going to speak for itself, that you've really opened my eyes to that, those pieces in between and that it's, you know, it's it's one of the things that I certainly preach about what I do. It's it's not a set and forget kind of moment. It's something yeah. you've got to keep coming back to. And I, I'm so excited for you. And I think it's it's such an exciting journey. And I I wish you all the luck in the world. I think you've got so much to to offer. And I know our journey is not over, that's for sure, you and I. No, absolutely. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for spending some time today. I'm not going to give away all your secrets. So (laughs) we'll keep some of them. But every time I speak with you, I, I have something more to take away. So I really do appreciate your time. No, no problems at all. And look, I'm more than happy to offer any of your listeners if they just want to have a chat and, you know, I'm more than happy to do a free half an hour consult just to kind of download what their structures look like already and see if there's any ways that I can add value or, you know, maybe just open up a few easy avenues to start with. I don't like kicking people completely off the ledge to start with when it comes to sales. I'm not going to suggest the cold calling on the first date, but, um, but you know, sometimes it's just some, some kind of easy strategies that we can ease into it. Um, Yeah. yeah, More than happy to offer any of your listeners a free chat. And I'll be sure to have the details attached to this, episode so that everyone's got all your details and they'll be able to find you and the deals that you have on at the moment which are really fantastic so thanks again julia no problems amy it was lovely to chat to you (laughs) see you later and that's it guys for another episode of the boring shit you need to know about business i'm amy bajada and i'll see you next time